Folks, I usually start the show with um, some lyrics from a song, but this week, uh, unfortunately, based on the tragic events that took place yesterday, be, on behalf of me and Jay Landerman, we would like to extend our sympathies and let everyone know that uh, all the people in Uvalde, Texas, are in our thoughts and prayers. We as a nation in general are all affected by this, maybe not as directly as those that live in this area, but nevertheless, we are affected by it. With that said, unfortunately, the show does have to go on. So welcome to Tales from the Abyss, the most unfiltered, unselfish, unapologetic, unpretentious, the greatest celebration of freedom of speech in the land of the free and the home of the brave. Tell him, Jay. Folks, it's that time again. That's right. It's time for another wonderful episode of Tales from the Abyss. I am Jay Lunderman. Along with me is my good friend and co-host, Mr. Padre Rojo. Folks, tonight we are going to be talking about an iconic character played by the legendary and the legendary Clint Eastwood, who everybody knows, and he has done all these movies, all these characters. But the one we're talking about tonight is probably his most iconic, at least in my opinion. Um, it, we're going to be talking about two movies and a franchise that has been dormant for a while. However, the character itself will live on forever. And with that, I'm going to send it over to you, my friend. Why don't you tell the folks what we're talking about tonight? Man, we're talking about Dirty Harry, <laughs> played <laughs> by Clean Eastwood. Uh, probably never again will we see a character like this. Definitely never a franchise like this again, but, you know, it's, it has endured the test of time. I mean, it's just, uh, it's a, whew, it's just a, a classic from back in the day. You can find them all on HBO Max. I happen to have the old school box set that has a, a mini badge and a booklet on DVD. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, you, you, you had it too at one point? No. No, I had my dad. Well, for Christmas one year, I gave my dad the old VHS box set. Okay. Um, that had you know all five movies in a nice little you know covered box, and I think back then it was like a hundred and something bucks. Um, I remember I bought it at a store that's no longer around. It was called Media Play. Which is where I used to go and look at least once to twice a week at movies and stuff. So that, but uh, very fond memories of Dirty Harry, especially with my dad. My dad it was always a huge Eastwood fan. Yeah. Um, and speaking of Dirty Harry, you know, I know that's what we're talking about tonight, but last night my wife and I watched Grand Torino. And knowing that we were going to be doing a show today on Clint Eastwood and Dirty Harry, I thought to myself, his character of Walt and Gran Torino is basically Dirty Harry as an old man. Yeah, it's just him retire. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just a little bit of a name change, you know, a little bit of different setting in Detroit instead of San Francisco. But yeah. um, I honestly felt like, man, this is Dirty Harry as a 80-something-year-old man. Absolutely. Totally agree. Totally agree. But, Jay, this one also has uh, very interesting things to it because it was directed by Donald Siegel, who he himself has his name immortalized in Hollywood aura. Not only did he direct the Dirty Harry, the first one, he's no stranger to, uh, to Clint Eastwood because he was uh, Coogan's Bluff. He directed that one with Eastwood. Two mm -hmm. Mules for Sister Sarah, a classic. 
Escape from Alcatraz. But another thing that is very, very uh, interesting about this man is that he had the honor to be the director in John Wayne's final movie in 1976, The Shooters. Which is an outstanding movie, by the way. Yes, a classic. Totally classic movie. Very in-depth uh, look at uh, this man's final days as a, as a cowboy on his way out of this world. Well, Don Siegel, didn't he also direct uh, the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers? Also has the honor to have him done the the Invasion of the Body Snatchers in 1956. Yeah, with Kevin McCarthy, yeah. Yep. So this this is a, this is a, a, an interesting movie, the first one. I'm totally taken away by it. I always gravitate towards it. My favorite is The Enforcer, but... Uh, this one, this one is uh, uh, definitely one that you will not ever see again. <laughs> like I said, Inspector Der Inspector Harry Callahan, Dirty Harry, is uh, is after a uh, Zodiac killer on this one. Right. Uh, only the movie is called Scorpio. Yes. And, yes. Um, but very similar to the Zodiac killer, who at the time. Which I believe is also to this day still a case that remains kind of open. Yeah, kind of open. Um, I'm pretty sure the person maybe it has to be dead by now. But back in the you know late '60s, early '70s, throughout uh, like San Francisco, Vallejo um, area of California, you know, the Zodiac Killer was scaring the bejesus out of people. So uh, the Scorpio Killer and Dirty Harry is kind of based off of that. Obviously, if you compare the two you definitely see the similarities but uh look whenever i think of clint eastwood this is the movie the first dirty harry this is the movie i think about this one is uh, uh i mean just just all the way to the end this thing is uh a special one. Oh, are you kidding me it, it, it's gritty it's got some teeth to it you know what i mean yeah um it takes no prisoners you you get some you get some dialogue that probably could never be repeated in the in this day and age. <laughs> no, you but, can forget about that. Yeah, but um, you know, and and it's hard to believe that at one time when Dirty Harry was trying to go into production, they had a hard time finding somebody to fill this role. Wow, I heard years and, ago they were trying to do it again with uh with uh the Rock, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Man, The Rock was also linked to a remake of Escape from New York. I mean, how shitty would that have been? Yeah, I don't know. They'll do it sooner or later. Oh, man, look, I've got nothing against Dwayne Johnson. And I realize that he is probably, I think he is the highest paid actor in Hollywood right now. Right now? Wow. And, but let's look at the man's filmography real quick, okay? Skyscraper sucked ass. <laughs> San Andreas sucked ass. Um, Rampage sucked major ass. Uh, I mean, God, he did what a movie called The Tooth Fairy and Escape from Witch Mountain. Uh, the gameplay, I mean, his filmography is not exclusive. Hell, if he never did Fast and Furious movies, I, who knows where his career would be. But so I'm completely against Dwayne The Rock Johnson remaking any of those classics. Jay, which is your favorite scene in all of the Terry Harry movies? Oh my goodness! There's so many. 
But I'm probably going to have to go with the ending of the original. <sighs> but when he, you know, he gets the Scorpio killer pinned down, he's already shot him. Yeah. Um, and of course he does the whole, do you feel lucky? The now iconic, do you feel lucky speech? And he did the same speech in the beginning of the film when he took down a bank robber. Yeah. Only when he did it in the beginning, he did it kind of snarky and arrogant and did it with a little bit of a, a, a smile, a little smirk. But in the end, he is pissed off, man. He is pissed off because this Scorpio killer uh, was took over a, a, a bus and he was uh, Dirty Harry was just had enough of this guy. So when he repeated that line, he meant it. And guess what? He he took down the Scorpio killer. That, but it is just such a classic scene and just a fantastic way to end the movie. That ending remind me of uh of um it was just like Box Bunny when he keeps appearing and appearing. It's like the Scorpio couldn't get rid of him and he just kept appearing and then he's on top of that train. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean <laughs> it's crazy, but that's is, what it reminds I mean, me of. This is after Scorpio Killer tried to frame Dirty Harry by having himself getting beat up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he was a piece of shit that was trying to get. Yeah, that dude, man. Oh, that dude used to get under people's skin. That movie. That's how well, good he was. You know, you know, the actor, Andrew Robinson, who played the Scorpio Killer, he was, he's actually been in a lot of stuff. And we've talked about him before. We talked about him before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's not. He's not Andy Robinson. He's not a he's not a stranger to their thing. Still around at eighty years old. Yeah, remember we also talked about him because he was uh, he had a major role in the first Hellraiser. That's right. That's right. Yeah. He, he was uh, big time on the first uh, on the first Hellraiser. He was uh, he was uh, Larry Larry Cotton. Cotton. That's yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah. I remember him now, and he's been on a. He was on Puppet Masters. He was on Transfer 3. He was on Child's Play 3. That's he, right. He was <laughs> He was the maniacal barber yeah. in Child's Play 3. Yeah. yeah, he was on Cobra as Detective Monty. I remember him on Cobra. Right. Um, and I think if you... I, I don't have it pulled up or anything, but I'm sure if you look at his filmography, you'll probably find a bunch of stuff in there that he's been in. No, I did. I checked it last night. Uh, and uh, yeah, in television, he's just been on Kojak. He was on Kung Fu. He was on Ironside. He was on The Rookies, on Bonanza, Barnaby Jones. Who hasn't been on Barnaby Jones? The Incredible Hulk. Oh, man, yeah. So he's done quite a bit in his in his career. The A-Team multiple times. Yeah, this is uh, this guy's been all over the place. Jay, my favorite scene has to be on the plane when they try to kidnap the uh, hijack the plane, and <laughs> he goes inside the plane. Oh, you talking about in Magnum Force? In Magnum Force, that's my favorite scene when he goes inside. The plane and said, "Excuse me, Captain, do you know how to fly?" <laughs> <laughs> like, He's um, like, "No, <laughs> oh, I never." <laughs> I don't. Oh God, Magnum Force! I mean, Magnum Force is a great second movie. Yeah, no, I think I think all the way until uh, the Deadpool, which the Deadpool plays like a like a Miami Vice episode, you know, because it has so many uh, so many celebrities showing up: Liam Neeson, uh, Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey, 
Slash, Easy Stradlin, Duff McKeegan. I don't remember if Axel was in it. No, I or can't Steven remember Aldo. either. I do know members of Guns N' Roses were in it. Yeah, because Slash was playing with the harpoon that is what uh, Callahan used at the end to kill the psychopath. Right. Yeah, that's right. You are correct. Yeah, because, yeah. Cause, uh, yeah. Let me I don't even remember who else is in it, but they had a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, people well this is this is uh you know i had i had mixed up my favorite is magnum force i thought it was uh the enforcer enforcer i like but not as much as uh magnum force magnum force is the one with the uh this rogue uh up-and-coming police force no yeah the the young traffic officers yeah. who kind of take the law in their own yeah, hands it's, it's, been, it's been so uh, long that is uh, charlie, leave the cat charlie. Home. that's charlie charlie don't <laughs> Let that cat live. that cat live, Charlie. Cat probably taking well, my, his toy or something. My cat, Charlie is all over the cat. The cat's throwing haymakers. <laughs> this is 1973. Thriller, the second one. And like you said, for a second movie, this one also, they hit it out of the park. This one was directed by Ted Post. I don't know what he's been in. Checking him out was an American hyperbolic. Oh, wait, he did. He did. I think he did. He was, I think he also directed Hang 'em High, which is another Eastwood movie. Yeah, he was no, uh, yeah, he did Hang 'em High. Yeah, he was no stranger to, uh, to High Road because he he already worked with Eastwood in Raw High. He'd been in Gunsmoke, The Twilight Zone, Hang 'em High, Beneath the Planet of the Apes, and Magnum Force. Oh, wow. He did a uh, Planet of the Apes movie, huh? Yeah, one of the good ones, too. I hear it. Dude, I haven't seen all of those in so long. I need to go back and watch them. Yeah, he also did uh, Good Guys Wear Black with Chuck Norris. Oh, my goodness. Old uh, Booker in uh, Good Guys Wear Black. Isn't that the one where Chuck does that big flying kick through a windshield? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Papa Chuck, man, you can't mess with him. Yep. So Harry, they couldn't, they couldn't get Harry in this one. I think they were trying to feel him to see if they could recruit him. But the lieutenant was on the fence, or the sergeant. That's right. Yep. He was. He he wasn't sure that Harry would go because Harry had a. He was he was no angel when it came to solving the problem, but only when the problems present themselves and there was no other way around. He wasn't really going around and being judge, jury, and executioner. This little band of misfits that just graduated the uh, police force were just uh, a little bit of a judge dread syndrome going on. Right, yeah, and somehow or another, you know, Dirty Harry kind of gets caught up in the whole thing. Uh, and there's also... You know, a storyline about some dirty cops, uh, police corruption, too. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot more going on in Magnum Force than the original. And David Soul was in it, who's uh, no stranger to police dramas with uh, Starkey and Hutch. Robert Ulrich. Yep. Was also Robert Ulrich, who's probably best known for uh, his 80s show, Hunter. And Hunter. He, was also, he also had a show called Vegas. Yeah, that was his show. Yeah. yeah. Then you had uh, what's his name? Timothy Lewis Methuen. He was a uh, the the National Lampoon's Animal House. Yeah. He was in uh the West Wing, which was a uh, he was another one of those uh, cubs that Derry Harry felt they needed some more experience or something like that. 
Right. But this one is uh Jesus, this this one was uh man, this was a tour of the force performance in here. Yeah, absolutely. Look, and this is also a time too, you know, in the early seventies where early to mid seventies where a second movie with the same character wasn't nearly as common as it is today. Right. Right. So, I mean, I think the first sequel that I can really think of is probably what Godfather part two. Um, I can't think of anything else. Um, but somehow or another, you know, the, the public really took to dirty Harry with his, Vigilante Justice. I mean, this is also a time when the original Death Wish came out with Charles Bronson. Exactly. And, and was, then you had Popeye Doyle played by Gene Hackman in The French Connection. Right. Um, all these kind of gritty cop movies were coming out at the same time. And I t- man, they're damn good. They're fun to watch to this day, too. Yeah, they're, 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 yeah and now they're becoming like a time capsule. You don't know when they're going to get banned. <laughs> right, right. Keep your copies good. What's that? Keep your copies, because one of these days you're going to wake up to a world where they're illegal. Oh, I know. I know it, man. Stuff like, I mean, the movies like this, they, they're just not allowed to make anymore. And, that's, and some of it, I, I, I get, is good reason. But at the same time, it's a different era. It's a different age. Um, the cop movies that were coming out at the time were just outstanding i mean and just before these that we're talking about you know that you had steve mcqueen and bullet which is probably my second favorite cop movie of all time after dirty harry that i told you that they're gonna remake it and you got upset yeah no they better not remake that no no they Uh are they are look hollywood all five of you that's maybe listening don't remake bullet (laughs) don't remake bullet I mean, what are you going to do? Put Jason Statham or, or The Rock in it? No. Can't that's, do it. That's probably how they're going. Jason Statham or The Rock. No. Or, or John Bullet Cena. is a God-fearing masterpiece. I mean, it's Steve McQueen at his best. And in my opinion, outside of a younger Clint Eastwood, Steve McQueen was the coolest son of a bitch on the block back then. Yeah. Even on his Western movie, uh, his Western TV series. With his uh, rifle. Wanted Dead or Alive. Yeah, Wanted Dead or Alive. Even that was a classic, man. But, I mean, think about it. Stephen Queen's in Bullet. I mean, Thomas Crown Affair, The Getaway, Towering Inferno, Great Escape, Papillon. Um, All all kinds of stuff. Stephen Queen just epitomized what cool was back then. I mean, the dude could smoke a cigarette, and you've never smoked a cigarette in your life, and you'll go, I want a cigarette real bad. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and unfortunately, yeah. that that's what got him. Yeah, uh, yeah, and that's what eventually what killed him. I yeah. think. But, yeah, that's what killed him. He died yeah. because he had throat cancer, I think, or cancer in his lungs. But before we move on with Dirty Harry, real quick, speaking of Steve McQueen, the last movie he ever did was a movie called The Hunter. Yes, which is about a bounty hunter, a real life bounty hunter. It's based on a true story, or some parts of it are. Anyway, the movie, you can find it right now on Amazon Prime, and uh, I watched it over the weekend. It, it's still very good. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, that was his final work. Yeah, that was the final movie he did. Mm-hmm. He, he was living in the house like with a bunch of hippies. 
something like that. Yeah, he and you know he plays kind of an older guy who is who uh, kind of gets involved with a younger woman and she gets pregnant. So now he's got this big, you know, like dangerous job being a bounty hunter. But now he's got to balance that with family life and. He's got a bunch of morality choices and that kind of stuff. It's a good movie. I once was thinking about <laughs> during the pandemic, they were saying that that was one of the rare jobs that were available all the time. Uh, being a bounty hunter? Yeah, and I knew a guy in Alabama. He was talking to me about it. <laughs> But I started thinking about it, and I'm like, man... I'm too trigger happy when I get that gun and that motherfucker doesn't put his hands up. I may just shoot him thinking he's going to take it. <laughs> I can see it now. Hey, Pam, what's up? Say what again? Say what, motherfucker? Say <laughs> oh, man, I'm just not good at that. Uh, no, nah, I mean, it just takes skills to do that kind of work. I don't think I'm cut for it. I, I was thinking about it. I was like, no, nah, I'm going to end up in jail for shooting a piece of shit that probably deserves it. But well, he still know, got right. Wrestling villain Doctor D. David Schultz became a bounty hunter. Yeah, but he's 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 he, he's uh he's very good at it because he's he did it for many years. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, he was a tough guy anyway. I think. Yeah, he was so. tough as nails. I mean, I'm not comparing myself to any of those dudes, but out of necessity, and this friend that I have over there in Alabama, he was talking to me about it. He was like, "You just ride along, and you get this permit and that permit." And, you know, I thought about it, and I said, man, I'm not cut for that. Like, I'm going to end up seriously shooting somebody by accident. It's not, nah. Because <laughs> you get charged. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can only prove self-defense, but so much. I mean, once they prove that you got nervous and you thought you were going to get shot, yeah, nah. They're putting cops in jail. They definitely put my dumb ass in jail first. Because I sure the hell ain't going to get shot by some asshole that... that did something wrong. Fuck that. Well, my dumbass will probably get so nervous, probably go to the bar beforehand, do too many Jaeger bombs, and then come out and get arrested for, you know, reckless standing attempt to walk. Yeah, that, that's also not very good if you actually end up arresting one of those bastards to bring him in and you hurt him by accident and you're drunk. I'm pretty sure that doesn't work out. No, 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 I'm pretty sure. Kind of like a bouncer. Yeah. But, Jake, going back to this one at the end... This one is, uh, man, this thing is special because at the end where they thought they had him and he doesn't even have a gun to defend himself. He's just doing all kinds of uh, setting them up and running away from them and taking them out by surprise. The captain has a sh shot at him, but the captain decides that he's going to walk away from it and see him hang. Not knowing right. that, you know, Harry just set him up and put that bomb inside the car, taking him out. Yeah, a man's got to know his limitations. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. That's probably the most famous line from Magnum Force. From Magnum Force, yeah. I thought it was when he was in front of them. And I don't know when all the cops presented himself before him. But def definitely that one was very memorable. Yeah, he just, absolutely. He took him out, but he had the bullet that can prove that they were crooked. Oh, it was just... It was just man. It was it, this. This was this was a, a great movie all around. This is the one that I gravitate towards all the time. And well, it was co-written by uh, John Milius, who, in my opinion, is one of the great screenwriters of all time. I mean, he's got to be in my top two or three. Um, 
And for those who don't know who John Milius is, he is known for coming in and helping with scripts, especially back in the 70s and 80s. But he also directed Conan the Barbarian, the original with Arnold, and the 80s classic Red Dawn. Wow. That's that's intense. This one was released in December of 1976. Great. Uh, $8 million on his first week. A record for which is a lot for back then. Yeah, that was his record back then. That was that was when he was starting to get real hot for him. Right. I mean, Clint Eastwood was already a star when he made Dirty Harry, the first one. But, oh, yeah, know, but it was Dirty Harry that shot him into the stratosphere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is uh. This thing put him at a whole other level because no longer it was Western now because Western still had a. They didn't have the following that this one would have. Not no. every single uh -huh. person, yeah, gravitated towards uh, westerns, but of course, each one did some great westerns in the seventies too. You know, did Outlaw Josie Wales. Um, God, what's the other movie I really like? Uh, the one where he paints the town red. Oh, that's not High Plains Drifter, is it? Yes, it is. It is. Yeah, right? High yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a classic. Yeah, all of me. All of Jason Wells is one of my top three or four westerns, favorite westerns. So, for God, where somewhere in Spain they make those 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 are spaghetti westerns, I think. Oh yeah, well you know the Man with No Name trilogy will always be a classic oh, and, yeah. and also very inspirational to filmmakers. Yes, yes, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly is an eternal classic. Yeah, oh yeah, the Dollars Trilogy, Good and Bad and the Ugly is definitely my favorite. Yeah, I own that. Oh, I do too. I've got it on Blu-ray. I don't have it on Blu-ray. That's a big mistake. I got it on DVD. Yeah, oh, dude, the Blu-ray is, an, the, at least the one I have, they, they did some sort of special edition of it on about 10 years ago. Um, but it, the transfer on it is outstanding. The movie looks beautiful. So, Jay, from here, we move towards uh, The Enforcer. The Enforcer of the five Dirty Harry movies, The Enforcer is the, probably the one I like the least. Right? It's, it's, it's not a, as a... I would have I said it was the, the one that I liked the least was the, uh, the Deadpool. I still watch it and I enjoy it. But uh, I don't know. The Deadpool just... Yeah, I don't know. This one had to do with them them hippies, uh, revolutionaries, a lot of that 60s shit. Yeah, there's a lot of hippie stuff in this one, you know what I mean? Like, a lot of welcome to the revolution type stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and then, of course, at the end, they, they go on Alcatraz. Cleaning. They, they try to get a little bit more PC and give Dirty Harry a woman partner. Uh, yeah, played by Tyne Daly. Tyne Daly ended up going to star in Cagney and Lacey back in the eighties. Yep. Um, and it's it's not a bad movie, but if you look at the runtime of this movie and the Deadpool, I mean these these two movies are probably what just over an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas the better of the the better ones of the series are are, are close to two hours or a little over. That, to me, suggests that there was something going on there that they didn't like, and there's probably a lot that was left on the editing room floor. Yeah. 
But the Force is okay. I'm not saying it's terrible. None of these movies are bad by any means. It also has. Uh, uh, it's one of the few series out there in Hollywood history where every movie is actually pretty good. It had uh, uh, Ellen Daly. Daly? Daly? I don't think it's Daly. It doesn't have an eye in there. Maybe that's how you can pronounce yeah. it. She's still around. She's 76 years old. She was in Kekne and Lazy. Right, yeah. 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 She was in that, and uh, she's also... I'm not positive. I think she's the sister to Tim Daly, who's best known for starring in that show Wings as Joe. Yeah, that's her brother. Right. Yeah, and her and her 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 nephew is Sam Daly. Okay. The, yeah, well, of course, it has to be her nephew, the son, <laughs> the son of Tim Daly. Yeah, that's 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 you're absolutely right. That's that's her. That's her brother. But she was some right. Cagney and Lazy. The police, the two police ladies. Big time show back in the day. And it also... Yeah, this, I, remember, this, I remember my mom watching that <laughs> back in the day. The Yeah, that was that was for, for uh, older people back back then. They used to love that show. Right, that and Simon and Simon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that came after Magnum. Yeah. This one is uh this one the enforcer is also the last time that we that we got to see John Mitchum as Inspector Friend the the Giorgio. Okay, the, okay. The, That's right. He's not in the other ones. I didn't think about that. Yeah. This was this was his farewell cuz he'd been on all of them until until here. Until this this uh till this bastards finally um finally met their match with uh with Derry Harry, because they were they were they were the 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 Liberation Army. They wanted to kidnap the mayor of San Francisco. Uh, and of course, Dirty Harry said, "Nope, not on my watch." <laughs> he took them dirty hippies down. Uh, yeah, you definitely couldn't make this one today, boy. Them people would have had. They would have been a lot. Well, Hollywood would have never let it happen. Well, no, man. I mean. Like we, we were saying a little bit ago, a lot of these stories and dialogues and characters and stuff back then, there's no way in ever living hell they could get away with it now. No. So, and, and The Force is a good example of that, too. Yeah. Uh, whereas in the first Dirty Harry movie, you get some dialogue that couldn't be repeated. And Magnum Force, same thing, and you probably get a storyline that couldn't be repeated. And their Enforcer, it's just... Kind of the same thing, but you know what? I mean, that, like I said, that's a product of the time. That's the product of the mid to late seventies. And it fit that time frame perfectly. And the reason I don't like the enforcer as much as the others, I think, is one, I think this is the one where I probably, this is the one movie in the series I've probably seen the least out of the five. Um, I'm not sure why, but. I think it was because the first time I watched it when I was younger, I just didn't take to it like the first two. But The Enforcer, decent movie. Uh, it appears, um, I just looked it up, it appears it made decent money in the box office and a relatively uh, modest budget. So, And plus, Dirty Harry at the time had become an icon in, in movies by the third movie. So, I mean, why not make... Uh, a third dirty area. Hell, they went on to make a fourth and fifth, so the enforcer had to do something right. <laughs> you know who uh, was an interesting uh, t 
tidbit from the enforcer, James Fargo, because he was no stranger to Clean Eastwood. He, um, he directed Every Which Way But Lose in 1978. Was that the one with the monkey? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, Clyde the Monkey. Clyde, yeah, Clyde. Oh, man. I wasn't a fan of this movie. <laughs> oh, I was. I was. Them things are. He also directed. Well, uh, think about it, any any big macho machismo guy in Hollywood has to do like a a toned down story. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That movie was just uh, funny. Uh, Eastwood had the monkey movies. I think he did two of them. Two of them, yeah. Uh, you know, The Rock did the game plan and and uh, what's that other stupid ass movie? Tooth Fairy. Yeah. Ben uh, Diesel did the pacifier. Uh huh. Um, Jason Statham has done some comedic stuff in the movie uh, called Spy. Yeah. Which is actually pretty funny, to be it honest. It is, it is, it is. Um, golly, I mean, even Stallone did Oscar and Stop Our Mama Shoot, Schwarzenegger and Junior and Twins. So I mean, it's a long line of these macho great guys doing more heart, heartfelt stuff. Yeah. I think uh, what's his name broke the mall with that one when he did Twins, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Twins is hilarious. Yeah, that's 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 the man that made that happen. Oh man, Twins is absolutely hilarious, especially at the time because Arnold was such a huge action star. Nobody was expecting that, and nobody thought he could pull off comedy. Wait. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, I think the guy that made that work the best is probably director Ivan Reitman. And Danny DeVito at the time, by the late 80s, was a big star as well, who was known for comedic roles. So for, to have Arnold to work with those two guys, if you remember, Ivan Reitman directed Ghostbusters. Yep. So he knows about some comedy. So for Arnold to surround himself by those guys at that moment in time was just brilliant. James Fargo also did uh, Force of Vengeance, 1982. <laughs> Chuck oh, Norris. <laughs> another Papa Chuck movie, man. <laughs> yeah. He also did a few A-Team a movies. I mean, A-Team TV series. Right. Uh, I remember the A-Team briefly. I just remember how they couldn't kill anybody because it was on national TV. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why because Miami Vice murdered people from. Yeah, but that was not a clock on a Friday night. 18 was like 8 o'clock on a Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I love the 18. Yeah, I did too back in the day. I was a big fan of uh, Face. <laughs> he was the ladies' man. Yeah, that was my dude back in the day. Yeah, he was, he was a uh, man. He was the, the one that used to get all the shakes. Face is also played by uh, Bradley Cooper in the 2010 remake movie. Yeah, that was, uh, Jesus, that sucked. That was terrible. Yeah, which surprised me that it was bad because the director of that movie is Joe Carnahan, who's actually a really good kind of gritty director. I don't think it had nothing to do with him or the actors. It's just, that's there's things that, you know, like I've always told you, there's impossible for us to go grab five guys because they can play music and say this is the new Rolling Stones or this is the new, uh, this is the new Metallica, or this is the new Guns N' Roses. You know, the 18, for some reason, them actors came across organically funny and interesting, and the stories were cheesy, but we loved them. Oh, absolutely. And you I mean, the 18 was fantastic. You couldn't recreate this. 
Jay, from here, we are going to move to Southern Impact. And why is this one so important? This one was directed by the man himself, Clint Eastwood. That's right, a little Eastwood on the Eastwood action. And this one was the one that blew up, but I'm, t I'm talking, this one blew up big time, Jay, because this one was with a budget of $22 million dollars. Released on December the 9th of 1983. Back in the day, they used to release a lot of good... Well, they still do in this early December. Now they're, they're moving them all the way almost to Christmas when they're doing the... From the 20 to the 25th, they're releasing the, uh, the big ones like right. we saw with Spider-Man. But this one had a budget of $22 million dollars and it brought in $150. Uh -huh. Jay, is not, Jay is not shaving, folks. He just... Work doing a podcast while he uh, works. Well, he earns. Yeah, well, I just had somebody call me, but I didn't know who it was. So. Oh yeah. And this one, this one is is notable for the uh, catchphrase "Go ahead and make my day," written by John Milius. Yeah, John Milius. Yeah, I mentioned him earlier. <laughs> I fuck all those people's names. Milius. I'm glad Jay's got an English degree because I've messed this people's name. Let's see who this gentleman is. John Frederick. Milus. He uh, is famous for a lot of stuff. He oh, wrote, bro. Apocalypse uh, Now. The, he wrote the dialogue for Quint and Jaws when he was talking about uh, going down with the USS Indianapolis. Yes. He wrote that. He wrote the scene where Robert Duvall in Apocalypse Now, he talks about how he loves the smell of napalm in the morning. <laughs> yeah, no, that alone just, uh, that's forever, bro. That's a classic. Yeah, and uh, he wrote, like I said, he directed and wrote um, Red Dawn, which I love Red Dawn. Yeah. Uh, the original, the remake was okay, I guess, but the original is awesome. He directed Schwarzenegger and Conan the Barbarian, which is an awesome movie, by the way. And this is coming from somebody... I'm not a huge fan of fantasy, sword, and sorcery movies. I'm just not. It's, it's not my thing. I mean, I fell asleep trying to watch Lord of the Rings like five times. Yeah, I've only seen Lord of the Rings once. I have never seen a Game of Thrones. It's never been my thing. I watched the first season of Game of Thrones because my wife is a huge fan of the show. Yeah. And again, I just couldn't, I couldn't get into it. And she keeps telling me, well, you got to get past the first season. I was like, why? I don't want to get past the first season. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like, want to get past the first like season. I can't endure any more of this. Same right. thing, I've never but seen John, a Harry John Potter John Millis has done a lot of stuff in his career, and there's actually a documentary about him called Millius. Um, I don't know where you can find it now. It used to be on Amazon Prime. But uh, it's, a, it's a very good documentary about the man. You get a great insight on the works that he has done. Absolutely. This one has a baddie in it. And it's uh, none other than Sandra Luck. Who at the time was in, in a relationship with Clint Eastwood. Yeah, she was She was very, very famous for that. And it, and, it, and it made her a household name for the moment being back then. She was the killer on this. And you couldn't help but feel sorry for her since uh, you know why she was doing the murders, you know. It's not like she was a psychopath going and killing people just for the hell of it. Well, I mean, out of the five Dirty Harry movies, Sudden Impact's probably the one that's the most different. Yeah. Clean e this one is Clean Eastwood put his touch in it. 
Right. Well, I mean, and this one, Callahan is kind of forced out of San Francisco. Yes. And he's kind of, I forgot the name of the little small town, but he's like in a little suburb of San Francisco, basically told to take a vacation due to what happens at the beginning of the film. But, uh, and so he kind of stumbles across this woman who was done wrong, her and her sister, and Dirty Harry just kind of falls into this world of this woman trying to get revenge. That's pretty much and, it. And then, of course, by the end, Harry Callahan's involved and so forth. So, <laughs> yeah, he uh, once he goes, uh, he goes into, he throws the uh, the barrel model twenty nine in the ocean. And that's right. Yeah, he shoots Mick from the yeah. Carous- from the carous- Yeah, and police arrive. That's a man. Charlie, what are you whining about? Stop it. And him and and the girl walk into the sunset together. That's right. Yep. And if you recall, too, Sandra Locke also starred with Eastwood in that action movie, The Gauntlet. Which was very good. Which is a very action-packed film, by the way. That's the one where they put like a million bullets into the, the boss. Right. Yeah. Because the police are all waiting on them. Yep. The Dairy Cops. Yeah. And uh, by the way, I, I remember the gauntlet really well because I remember the movie poster. <laughs> it is one but of the thing about back then, movie posters were all hand drawn by artists. Yeah, back then they took pride in that. Yeah, and uh, once we got to the you know mid to late nineties, there was no more of that. There was it was all Photoshop type yeah, stuff. Computer, computer. Actors' faces with some sort of background, and, but back in the day. Movies like The Gauntlet and Indiana, or yeah, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Star Wars, they all had artists that painted their posters. Yep. That's pretty much the way it worked back then. Yeah. So it's, uh, but anyway, that's how I remember The Gauntlet. But Sudden Impact is, in my opinion, is not a movie that gets talked about much, I think, due to its subject matter. Yeah. But. Mm-hmm. Very underrated movie as far as the series goes. Very. And this one also had an interesting thing to it. I don't want to get political, but this was the one where Ronald Reagan, President Ronald Reagan, used the uh, the phrase, uh, make my day, when he was uh, threatening to veto a legislation of, of, of raising taxes. That's hilarious. And he was campaigning for office. <laughs> oh, oh, Reagan loved, man, look, the 80s, we had the most perfect president for the 1980s and Ronald Reagan. And now I'm not talking, talking about from a political standpoint, but just, you know, and there's another speech when he mentioned Rambo. Yeah. He talked about Rambo. Yeah. Uh, used Rambo as, you know, as a metaphor, as rising up as like the American spirit. You know what I mean? Like that, that kind of thing. Everybody needs to bleed red, white, and blue. And um, yeah, that that's funny that he brought Dirty Harry up. Well, but I'm not surprised. What's his name? Eastwood also he also used the phrase when in a bumper sticker when he was uh when he was running for mayor of uh Carmel by the Sea, California. It was uh, uh go ahead, make me mayor. That's hilarious. 
My favorite line from Sudden Impact is, um, you know, he's in that coffee shop and the waitress <laughs> is, pours like half a thing of sugar in his coffee. That's cup. a good one. That's a good one. And he comes you back. Know, ba- you know, basically telling them, hey, something's wrong here. Yep. And of course, naturally, there's a robbery going down and Dirty Harry just happened to walk in the middle of it. And, uh, Anyway, he looks at the bad guys and goes, well, we're just not going to let you walk out of here. He goes, who do you mean, we, sucker? <laughs> he goes, Smith, Wesson, and me? Yep. <laughs> I get chills when I hear that, man. That is perfect Clint Eastwood. Yep. That was that was the scene of this one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That diner, I mean, we got that line, and then, of course, we got the go ahead and make my day line. Um. It's a uh, classic Eastwood, very, very classic Eastwood. This is, the, I would say that this is the most popular one. I don't know. As far as popularity, I'd probably put this one in, in the first one, you know, kind of neck and neck. Um, it's, I can't go against the first one because it's, to me, it's my favorite Eastwood movie of all time. Out of this as big, wild, wide, you know, 60 year career, Dirty Harry, the first one's my favorite Eastwood movie. But Sudden Impact is very good, very underrated. Um, I can see why it was popular back in the day. But uh, I'm telling folks right now, people listening to us, check it out if you haven't seen it or if you haven't seen it in a long time. So, Jay, from here, we're going to culminate this uh, this episode. But we're coming back next week with uh, the Deadpool and maybe a little surprise here and there. The Deadpool. The Deadpool, which has uh, so many things that we can talk about. So it has been a rough week, America. We're going to overcome this week. Um, Yeah, I mean, I don't know what to say. I mean, it's just uh, it's a terrible thing. Like I've always said, um, I'm not a hypocrite. I got guns and I have never thought about shooting anyone in an inappropriate way (laughs) definitely not innocent people or nothing like that we're going through some hard times but unfortunately you got to learn from history and giving our guns away is not the answer well you know i'm i'm a father of two yeah no uh, it's a painful time my kids are young nine and ten and so what happened yesterday out in texas is just heartbreaking it's for everyone in the nation yeah right and and, and for those involved it's absolutely earth-shattering yeah devastating um, a parent should never have to give their dna to bury the child right i mean it's just one of those things where um you know it's just it's it's hard to think about really because i was up last night before i went to bed watching the news and watching some stuff on it and no, I was I was I was taking a beating behind a bar, and I got the news like on my way to work, and it, it was just you know it bothers you even when you're at work trying to make a, a drink. Right. Oh, it's also too, in my opinion, a, a case of of mental illness. Oh yeah, the the, the guy was definitely uh, he, he, he was, was de- de- he was definitely 
I mean, I, I, of course, we don't know. We don't know the whole exactly, story, but, you know. But, I mean, it seems like it's definitely a case of mental illness, and the, the guy was definitely disturbed. Yeah, normal people don't get out of bed and do this shit. That's all I'm saying. No. Yeah. No. But, hey, like you said, though, it, it, it's a sad, sad, sad time. I know my family's thoughts and prayers go out to the families in Texas that lost loved ones yesterday. Um, it's... Definitely some issues there that do not need to be taken lightly by the government. Um, and it's issues that have been needed to be addressed for a long time, in my opinion. Um, especially me being prior military, mental illness is, is, is serious. It's serious, serious, serious stuff, serious stuff. No doubt about uh, it. So it's... And I agree with you. Just taking away guns solve the problem? No, no, no. it does not. It would never solve. However, I do think that there can be some better laws and rules put into place to help control this issue because it's happening way too often. Too often, too often. No, I believe in in some kind of uh, gun regulation. I'm just not inclined towards giving you all I got to defend myself because I think the moment we do, you can look around us at other countries around us and you can tell what has happened to the people that have done made that decision. I think Big Brother will show you what they really think of you if you do that. Right. That's true. That is very, very true. But, you know, as a nation and, and as people here in our great country, we, we like anything else, you got to move forward. And, we uh, gotta move forward, but we are down the line. we are affected by it. So somewhere between good and evil, folks, and there's a lot of evil in this godforsaken planet. Uh, you can find me and Jay Lenderman bringing you this tales from the abyss. Until the next time, stay safe out there, and thank you for listening. <laughs>